Hey, Lisa. Hey, Lee. It's good to see you today. <laughs> it's good to see you too. Will you help me with something? Of course. I can't remember what day it is. It's frontal lobe Friday. It's frontal lobe Friday. Good morning, my friend. I hope you're doing well. Dr. Lee Warren here with you, and it is frontal lobe Friday, one of my favorite days of the week, frontal lobe Friday, where we talk about this incredible gift that God gave us that separates us, separates us really from everything else he created is this incredible frontal lobe that gives us this ability to do what we call selective attention. We can change, humans can change what we choose to think about. This is really why you have the ability to change your mind and change your life. And everything we talk about here on this show in self-brain surgery, everything comes down to this ability to engage selective attention. And when Harvey and Lewis were alive, we talked about it before, they can't change their minds. Like you've got to shock them or give them a treat or do something. If they're after a squirrel or after a deer or after somebody, you can't talk to them and get them to change their mind. You've got to do something to them to sort of make it impossible for them not to change their mind. Humans, though, you can say, hey, you know what? That thought process isn't serving me well. This way that I've thought about my massive thing, this way that I remember and ruminate on a label that my dad gave me when I was eight isn't serving me well. You can, with the power of the Holy Spirit, or if you're not a believer, you actually can do it by yourself. You can say with your logical frontal lobe, this pattern of thinking isn't helping me very much, and I'm going to change it. So today we're going to talk just a little bit about your frontal lobe, and specifically the prefrontal and orbitofrontal cortices. And something related to what we do with them and how we choose to use them, how we choose to protect them, and something that's commonly done that actually harms them. And I'm just going to give you a little bit of information about your amazing frontal lobes today. Hey, because it's frontal lobe Friday. I'm getting a cold. Lisa's had the flu all week. I'm starting to get it. So I'm concerned that my voice is going to sound crazy by tomorrow. So I'm actually recording this on Thursday before I go to the OR. So it's going to be pretty short because I got surgery in just a little bit. But... Frontal Lobe Friday is the day when we talk about this incredible ability we have to engage selective attention. It will change your mind, and it will change your life. It's just something that you have to learn how to do and to be in awe and wonder of how fearfully and wonderfully made you are. And I think the frontal lobe is the thing that really separates us from the apes. It's, I'm, I'm not saying we're animals. God made us in his image. But he made brains similar across many species. And the difference between ours and all the other brains that he made is we have selective attention, and most of them don't. And I think that the way that God put our minds together is because he wants to communicate with us. And if you think of your mind as the software and the brain as the hardware and the spirit as the interface between God and your mind, then it would behoove you, right, to protect that brain because that's what gives you this communication center, this ability to hear from God, which enables you to answer one question. Hey, are you ready to change your life? If the answer is yes, there's only one rule. You have to change your mind first. And my friend, there's a place where the neuroscience of how your mind works smashes together with faith and everything starts to make sense. Are you ready to change your life? Well, this is the place, Self-Brain Surgery School. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and this is where we go deep into how we're wired, take control of our thinking, and find real hope. This is where we learn to become healthier, feel better, and be happier. This is where we leave the past behind and transform our minds. This is where we start today. Are you ready? This is your podcast. This is your place. This is your time, my friend. Let's get after it.
Mm. All right, let's get after it. Hey, somebody, I think it was Beth Maxey. Beth, correct me if I'm wrong about that, but I saw a comment. I just now discovered dozens of comments on the YouTube channel that I hadn't seen. And I saw a comment from somebody saying, hey, I love the new intro. Is that you playing? Because it's really awesome when you get after it. It's not me playing. <laughs> I could play that, but it's not. It's a, That's actually a royalty-free um, loop that I found um, that's really awesome. And I think that I love that little guitar part. Um, Tommy Walker could play it too, but he didn't. That He plays the piece at the end on the song Get Up on the outro that I love even more. But I just found that as royalty-free. I thought I would include it in the intro for the new season, season nine. So I'm glad you like it, and let's get after it. Okay, so my friend Daniel Amen wrote an amazing book called You Happier. The Seven Neuroscience Secrets of Feeling Good Based on Your Brain Type. And he was on the show to talk about that a while back. And in that book, he gives us a really nice sort of simple layperson breakdown of the different parts of your brain. And so the the part about the frontal lobe, I'm just going to read you a paragraph that Daniel wrote because I couldn't say it any better. And I would highly recommend You Happier by Daniel Amen, Dr. Daniel Amen. If you want to know more about the neuroscience of your brain and the types of brains that people have based on his experience of scanning the brain and understanding the different ways that people think and the problems that we have associated with that. And Daniel has helped literally tens of thousands of people around the world with his groundbreaking ideas about psychiatry and brain imaging and just tremendous guy. So check out Dr. Daniel Amen, the book, You Happier. And here's what he said about the frontal lobe. The frontal lobes consist of the motor cortex, which is in charge of directing movement, the premotor cortex, which helps to plan movement, and the prefrontal cortex, which is considered the executive part of the brain. This region is the most evolved he says i don't say it that way because i don't think our brains evolved i don't think daniel thinks that either but but it's just this language that slips into science sometimes i I think it's the most specially created part of the human brain but anyway this region is the most important part of the human brain and it's involved with focus forethought judgment organization planning impulse control empathy and learning from mistakes so you're starting to get this idea the prefrontal cortex is super important in being a good human being in being a compassionate person judgment focus forethought organization planning impulse control empathy learning from mistakes if we all had better prefrontal cortices don't you think we'd be better in our relationships better in our interactions with other people he says this daniel says this the prefrontal cortex makes up about 30 percent i'm sorry the frontal lobe makes up about 30 percent of the human brain compared to just 11 percent for chimpanzees seven percent for dogs 3% for cats, and Daniel makes this offhand comment, perhaps that's why cats need nine lives. They don't have a very big frontal cortex. And 1% for mice, which is why they're eaten by cats. (laughs) They don't make good decisions. On the underside of the prefrontal cortex is an area called the orbitofrontal cortex, which is located just above the orbits of your eye sockets that's intimately involved in happiness. So orbital frontal cortex is involved in the dopamine circuit, and it's involved in happiness, okay? So that's just kind of a gist of what your frontal lobes are all about in the anatomy side and the functional side. Now, let me give you some information. This will just kind of make your, make your day, okay? Guess what specifically inhibits in real time the activity of your prefrontal cortex? Just about more than anything else. Guess what? Alcohol. Believe it or not, 
alcohol specifically inhibits the activity of the prefrontal cortex. And here's what's important about it, the way it, the way it, the way it affects the prefrontal cortex. So prefrontal cortex is your executive center, right? Your ability to evaluate a bunch of possibilities and engage in what we call downstream thinking. I used to teach my kids. Kaylin and I had tons of conversations about it when she was in high school, more than any of the other kids. She was interested in this concept that I called the rule of fives. Like, think about this decision you're about to make and what it will do five minutes, five hours, five days, five months, five years, five decades from now. Think think downstream about your decisions before you make them. And sometimes that'll help you make a different decision than the one you might think that you would make. And that really, for some reason, resonated with Kaylin. And she she locked into that logic and she would text me once in a while and say, hey, I was getting ready to do this and I thought about the five the rule of fives and I decided not to do it. I think it's going to be better for me to do this other thing. And that's not to say that everything you're about to do is a sinful thing. But just if you think downstream, sometimes that'll help clarify your thinking, that downstream thinking. And that happens because you're using your prefrontal cortex. Well, alcohol makes your prefrontal cortex doesn't, it, this is interesting, it doesn't make it stop being able to see the results. It just makes you not care about them. And so you'll think, and, and think about it, if you drink alcohol or if you've, if you've had some experience with alcohol, it makes you say, hmm, you know, if I do that, I might get a DUI. But I really need to get home, so I'm going to drive anyway. If I do this, that person might get pregnant. But it's okay. I really want to do it anyway. If I make this phone call, I might lose my job. I'm mad right now. I really want to tell my boss off. I could lose my job over that. I I think I'm going to. It's worth it. I'm going to do it anyway. I've had enough. I think I've had enough alcohol. Probably ought not to have any more. But you know what? I think I'm going to have a little bit more. That's what alcohol does to the prefrontal cortex. It just takes that executive function and makes you not care about it. It makes you not care. Now, why do I tell you that? I'm telling you that because if you have a choice to engage your frontal lobe in a way that's helpful to you or to take a substance that will diminish your ability for your frontal lobe to help you, what's the wisest choice? So now go back to that 555 rule, and you're saying, hey, I'm going to do something here that might inhibit my brain's ability to help me make good decisions. Then I may be in, I may put myself in a dangerous position. If you're a college student, for example, you're going to go to a party, and a lot of people around you don't know all of them or what they're up to or what their intentions are, and you say, hmm, how would I be able to make the best set of decisions over the course of this night? Somebody asked me out on a date. Somebody invites me to go for a walk. Somebody invites me over to their dorm room. And I've got alcohol in my system. I might make a different decision than if I didn't have alcohol in my system. Okay, you see what, you see what I'm saying? Now, understand this. I'm not laying this in spiritual terms, okay? Very specifically, I think one of the reasons that a lot of people that grew up in a fundamentalist tradition like I did— although we wouldn't have called it that. One of the reasons that so many of us had, and you can see it, some of those kids go off to college and they just go nuts. They go completely nuts. And it's because they were raised in this way where everything was a sin and everything was going to send you straight to hell. And there was no logic or conversation about it. It was just don't do that or you're going to go to hell. There used to be an old joke in our church. Why is the the church that we went to, I'm not going to say the name of it, but why is the church we went to so against premarital sex? And the answer to the joke was because it might lead to dancing or it might lead to drinking. Like so the, they were saying, it's worse to drink or dance than it is to have premarital sex, which obviously isn't true. But that was the joke. It's like everything is going to send you to hell. 
And so my problem with that is now as an adult is if you're, if you, if you're told that something is wrong, but you're not given rationale for it, okay, then you're going to make decisions about it later. If that thing seems to have a benefit to you and you can weigh the benefit against the potential downside, especially if you get to a point in your life where you no longer think that everything's going to send you straight to hell, then you may make a decision to use something based not out of logic or reason, but based out of sort of rejection of a prior set of codes. And that's why Paul, the Apostle Paul in Colossians chapter 2, when he was talking about freedom from human rules, said this, "Don't Therefore, don't let anybody judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. So he's saying, you eat and drink what you want, okay? God's not going to send you straight to hell for having pork or drinking a beer or whatever. He's saying, don't let people judge you for that. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility or the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person goes into great detail about what they've seen. They're puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. They have lost connection with the head from whom the whole body supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews grows as God causes it to grow. Listen to this. Since you die with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? Don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. These rules, which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use, are based merely on human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body. Listen, friend, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. What's he saying? That you should just go drink and have sex with whoever you want to and eat whatever you want? No, he's not saying that. He's saying that human rules aren't the reason that you should modify your behavior because human rules, religious rules, societal rules, whatever, they don't actually restrain indulgence because laws don't restrain people from doing things if they want to do them. That's obvious. That's what the Bible's saying here. It's just a point about human behavior that when you put rules on something, people do it anyway if they want to or if they find some greater value in doing it. They don't care about the rule. They care about what they want in the moment for the most part. So what Paul's saying here is not for us to go crazy and feel like it's okay and do whatever you feel like and eat what you want, drink what you want, sleep with who you want. He's not saying that. He's saying that having a rationale for not doing something based on rules is not a good way to restrain yourself from making good decisions. Does that make sense? So that's what Colossians 2 is all about. Now, the same guy, Paul, in Ephesians chapter 5 Verse 18 says this, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And what does that mean? He's saying, is it is it necessarily inherently sinful to have a drink or maybe even to drink a little bit enough to get tipsy or get drunk or whatever? He's not saying that. He's saying don't get drunk on wine because it leads to bad decisions. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And I'm going to just submit to you here on Frontal Lobe Friday. It took me a long time to recognize this, not just in context of alcohol or anything else. But here's the thing. Being drunk on wine and substitute for that cannabis or hydrocodone or whatever else that you, you might take or any kind of behavior, frankly, that's going to numb you to the thing that you're trying not to feel, even if it's 
gambling or pornography or something else that if, if it's something that you're doing to stop thinking about one thing or stop feeling one thing and substituting it for something else you don't have to feel it or think it being doing that let's just use alcohol for the context don't get drunk on wine paul says which leads to debauchery it will ruin your life he says in the new living translation instead be filled with the spirit the cost of being filled with the spirit is not being numbed by something else And the cost of being numbed by something else is that you can't be filled with the Spirit. Does that make sense? They are mutually exclusive. You can't be filled with the Holy Spirit while your brain is turned off. Why? Because, remember, we're here on Frontal Lobe Friday. You can't hear from the Spirit if your spirit requires your mind as the interface to your brain and to your soul. In other words, when you put your frontal lobe to sleep... And your prefrontal cortex is the part of your brain and your mind that generates this ability to make good decisions and to discern the cost of things and discern the potential outcomes of things and to think through and be empathetic and be compassionate and be careful and be executive with your decision making. You can't do that while your brain is disengaged with alcohol or mushrooms or oxycodone or pornography or whatever else you're using to turn your brain off. If your brain is off, if you... you, disconnect the wi-fi network you can't hear from the message that somebody's trying to send you you can't get it because you turned off your router right so if you think about your brain and your mind as this hardware software interface and you think about the holy spirit as being able to communicate with you through your mind then what paul is saying here is actually about self-brain surgery way back in the day two thousand years ago he's telling us something true here if you turn your brain off you can't hear from god And if you want to hear from God, if you believe that he's going to come into your story in the midst of your massive thing or your trauma or your tragedy or whatever else is going, if God's going to come and be with you in this and help you bear this burden and help you learn to see that the thing in front of you that's happened is not the only thing that's still out there and that the John 16, 33 world being hard and the John 10, 10 world being abundant, he came here to give you an abundant life, that those two things don't have to be mutually exclusive. You can't see that. You can't hear that. You can't live that truth if your brain is turned off. And that's why one of the rules, one of the commandments of self-brain surgery, my friend, is to love tomorrow more than you hate what you're feeling right now. And so tonight, as you're making your decisions, what am I going to do for the next two hours so I can stop thinking about the fact that my son died? What am I going to do before I go to sleep so I can stop feeling this incredible pain that my wife left me? What am I going to do so I can stop thinking about that accident that I was in, that that trauma that I went through, that that battle that I was in in Iraq 15 years ago? What am I going to do for the next two hours so I can stop thinking about that? And if you choose to use something or engage in a behavior or get online or text somebody or sleep with somebody or do something so that you don't have to think about that right now, that's because you're trying to turn your brain off. And if you turn your brain off, you can't hear from the physician who can actually help you heal that. Now, this sounds like a hard teaching. I'm not saying it's wrong to have alcohol. I'm not saying that at all. I just convinced you with Colossians 2 that there's a reason why God says not to give all these crazy rules about people's behavior. But if you have not a rule, but an understanding, a logical understanding of why something might not be the best decision in a particular moment, okay? Now, does it mean that every time you have an extra glass of wine, you feel a little tipsy that you're committing a sin? No, it doesn't mean that. It means if you're using that or anything, as we said, 
to turn off your prefrontal cortex, then you are disengaging the part of your brain that gives you the ability to engage selective attention. And you are choosing then to shut your brain down instead of dealing with your actual business. Okay? That's the problem. Now, here's what the Holy Spirit does for you. Here, and He does it through the behave through the anatomy and function of your prefrontal cortex the holy spirit isaiah chapter 30 says this this is amazing okay he says people of zion who live in jerusalem you will weep no more how gracious he will be when you cry for help as soon as he hears he will answer you although the lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction okay so he's saying you're going to have some trouble and if you cry out i will answer you Although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, your teachers will be hidden no more. With your own eyes, you will see them. So you're going to start to see some answers here if you cry out to him and you keep your brain engaged. Listen to this. Verse 21. This is so incredible. I came upon this and God just like so graciously gave me this. Isaiah 30, 21. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way walk in it. This is the way. Walk in it. Listen, he's making you a promise right here. And I know that you already know this is true because 1 Corinthians 10, 13 talks about, um, talks about temptation and how in every temptation, there's a way out. There's always something that pops up and there's a way out. And this is true too. When you're going through trauma or tragedy, massive things, you're really hurting and you're crying out for help and you just can't bear it anymore. And you decide instead of feeling it, you're going to engage in this numbing behavior and turn your brain off so you don't have to think about it. You can't hear the voice that says whether you turn to the right or the left, your ears will hear a voice that says this is the way, walk in it. If you numb yourself, friend, if you turn your brain off through any means, alcohol, drugs, sex, money, shopping, whatever it might be, even work. Sometimes we just pour ourselves into work so we don't have to think about something. We don't love tomorrow more enough to rest or take Sabbath. There's a scripture that says, in repentance and rest is your salvation. So repentance means changing your mind, turning around, changing your behavior in the direction you're going. And rest means learn how to be still. Cease striving, as Susie Larson said. Let Cease striving and know that he is God. Listen, frontal lobes give you the ability to make good decisions, selective to change your attention to something better, a thought process that's going to be helpful to you to think downstream of your decisions. It's not because there's a rule about everything and because everything's inherently sinful and God doesn't want you to have any fun and all that stuff. In fact, there's a psalm that says, God made wine to gladden the hearts of man. There's another one that says, give wine to those who are suffering and strong drink to those who are crushed by life's perils. So it doesn't mean that there's not a place and a time for these things, okay? It just means that if you want to hear that voice that says, hey, this is the way you ought to go, then you can't turn your brain off or you can't hear it, okay? So stop turning your brain off. Love tomorrow more. That's one of the Ten Commandments of self-brain surgery, and I don't mean to say commandment like that. It's one of the ten core principles, core values that we as self-brain surgeons who want God to show us how to operate this incredible, unbelievably well-designed frontal lobe and system of mind-brain interface, We want him to teach us how to operate that thing in the way that he designed it so he can communicate with us in the best way possible. Because I promise you, friend, if you follow that voice that says this is the way, walk in it, it will be better for you 
than any other decision that you can make. You are not alone in the midst of your traumas and tragedies and other massive things. You are not alone, friend. You are not. He's with you. There's a voice. If he said, listen to it again. People of Zion who live in Jerusalem, this is Isaiah 30, 19 through 21. You will weep no more, Beth. You will weep no more, Susie. You will weep no more, John. You will weep no more, Brian. You will weep no more, Dennis. How gracious he will be when you cry for help. As soon as he hears, he will answer you. Although you have the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, your teachers will be hidden no more. With your own eyes, you will see them. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. Friend, there is a voice that wants to communicate with you, and it does so through the adequate and proper functioning of your prefrontal cortex. That's why you ought not to hit soccer balls with your head. That's why you ought to think twice about letting your grandkids play contact sports. The more we learn about chronic traumatic encephalopathy, it will stun you. We're going to do an episode sometime with Joe Maroon and some of the people involved in the NFL's concussion research protocols. And we're going to teach you what contact sports actually do to the developing brain. I love football. I love it. I love watching it. But if you have to be honest as a neuroscientist and say, is that really good for these kids' brains? It's not. So, so just trust me. Put a helmet on if, if you're going to do something where you could hit your head. Don't hit soccer balls with your head, okay? Wear a helmet if you're riding a skateboard or, or a bike. Stop drinking something that directly kills cells in your brain to excess, okay? Stop using substances that turn your brain off. If you want to hear that voice, I'm not saying it's sinful. I'm saying it might not be the wisest decision if you want to become healthier and feel better and be happier. And if you are tired of crying out and feeling like nobody's there, is it because when you're crying out, you've already been engaging in a behavior that has shut your brain down and you can't hear anymore? So it's frontal lobe Friday. We love our brains. We love tomorrow more than we don't want to feel something right now. We want to relentlessly refuse to participate in our own demise. And one of the things we've been doing over and over that hurts us is shutting our brains off and engaging in numbing behaviors. And the problem is you can't selectively numb the one thing that's hurting you. You'll stop feeling everything else, intimacy with your spouse, relationships, enjoyment of the things that you love to do. The more you numb yourself, the more numb you become generally to the entire experience of your life. And God is saying right here in Isaiah 30, friend, it's not about rules. It's not about sin. It's not about going to hell necessarily. It's about, do you want to hear my voice when I'm trying to help you? When you're covered up in the bread of adversity and the water of affliction and you're so tired of being tired and everything feels so hard and you just wish you could hear a little bit better, then maybe part of it is to make a decision here on Frontal Lobe Friday. This evening, when you're feeling that thing, to do something to hear the voice more instead of covering up your brain so you stop feeling something, okay? Here's an important thing. Romans 12, 2 says, Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to taste and approve, test and approve what is good, pleasing, and perfect, what God's will is. If you renew your mind, now here's the important thing. We know now that when you pray and meditate, your brain actually gets bigger, specifically your hippocampus. The, the studies have showed that 
30 days of directed, purposeful meditation and prayer make the hippocampus of your brain get bigger. What does the hippocampus do? It's involved in emotional regulation, stability, resilience, willpower, all that stuff. Okay? You can make your brain bigger by thinking different thoughts. Your human brain that God gave you, that he wants to use to communicate with you, is the only computer in the world where the software can upgrade the hardware. Imagine if you plug your iPhone 11 in on your bedside table tonight and it did a software update and you woke up the next day and it was an iPhone 15 sitting there. Like You'd be like, holy cow, my, my phone turned into a new phone. That doesn't happen with human computers, but your brain does that. When you think better thoughts, your brain gets bigger. It gets stronger. It gets more resilient. So if you want to hear the voice that says, hey, friend, when you turn to the right or the left, I'm going to talk to you. You just got to keep your brain open. You got to keep your prefrontal cortex working. And here on Frontal Lobe Friday, what better thing to do, my friend, than start today? Hey, thanks for listening. The Dr. Lee Warren Podcast is brought to you by my brand new book, Hope is the First Dose. It's a treatment plan for recovering from trauma, tragedy, and other massive things. It's available everywhere books are sold, and I narrated the audiobooks. Hey, The theme music for the show is Get Up by my friend Tommy Walker, available for free at TommyWalkerMinistries.org. They are supplying worship resources for worshipers all over the world to worship the Most High God. And if you're interested in learning more, check out TommyWalkerMinistries.org. If you need prayer, go to the prayer wall at WLeeWarrenMD.com slash prayer wleewarrenmd.com slash prayer and go to my website and sign up for the newsletter Self Brain Surgery every Sunday since 2014 helping people in all 50 states and 60 plus countries around the world. I'm Dr. Lee Warren and I'll talk to you soon. Remember friend, you can't change your life until you change your mind and the good news is you can start today.